today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about another element of recovering economies. Uh, and that, of course, is the well, the tourism industry in particular, which was very hard hit during COVID and during the lockdowns. And uh, we talked at great length, and I think justifiably so, about some of the concerns. And a lot of them haven't gone away. Uh, talking to a number of people I know that are in that industry, both hotel or restaurant or whatever the case might be, and uh, they say the concern is that a lot of people just haven't come back. And uh, they, they need some help uh, to survive. And we're talking about a major part of the Ontario economy. Well, there's a recommendation, an executive summary of a recommendation that I've got right in front of me here from uh, our friends at uh, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, which I think holds a lot of merit. And uh, hopefully it's something that the uh, the government will uh, pay some attention to. Daniel Safiani is the vice president of policy with the Ontario Chamber, and uh, he joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, Daniel, pleasure to have you back on the program. Uh, I wish it were under better circumstances. This is a problem that just doesn't seem to want to go away. Good morning, Bill. Thanks so much for having me on and for uh, shining a light on this important issue. Well, as I was mentioning, I've talked to a number of folks I know in the industry, restaurant owners, uh, hoteliers, and things of this nature. And, and, you know, when we first got out of this uh, and and the lockdowns and things seemed to be looking better, uh, basically, I think what a lot of people thought was, okay, just this is tough. Suck it up, Bo, and it's going to get better as things go on. Well, we've gone through what should have been the busiest part of the tourism season and the restaurant season through the hot summertime. And uh, the numbers are not where they should be. And the numbers, maybe just to remind our listeners, uh, prior to the pandemic, the tourism industry was a $36 billion industry in Ontario. Uh, I got to figure at this stage, Daniel, they're nowhere near that. No, there has been a precipitous drop in activity, Bill, as as you're mentioning. And that's one of the reasons we've we've put this report together and partnered with the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario on it. Um, there was a lot of lip service and folks talking you know, throughout the pandemic about those industries and sectors disproportionately impacted, those hardest hit. You know, we kept hearing these uh, refrains um, from uh, from both, you know, political leaders and, and industry leaders and associations like ours as well. Um, and, you know, now that we are you know, several years into this pandemic, um, we need to make sure that those industries that have been disproportionately impacted um, actually have both kind of the appropriate policy frameworks and supports that they need to bounce back. And right now what's happening in the tourism sector is a bit of a perfect storm um, of issues, one which you just mentioned, for instance, at the, a few minutes ago, you know, affordable housing. You know, this has a direct relation to tourism. The labor piece has a direct uh, relation to to tourism. So all of these things, the fact that folks have have retrained and and, and gone to different sectors and to different professional services. Uh, careers over the last couple of years. This is all kind of manifested um, in a much slower recovery for the sector. And that's why we've kind of put some pen to paper on what we think are some key recommendations that can help the sector through this turbulent period. I I think your analogy of a perfect storm is is very apt here. Uh, For instance, I can remember having a discussion a couple of months ago because nobody, nobody, wants to see this happen. I mean, everybody I've talked to in the government says, oh, we got to help these guys. And and as you recall, they did set up a task force some months ago, and uh, it was uh, headed by Tim Hudak, of course, uh, who's the head of the Realtors Association, former politician. And uh, Tim was on the program and talked about some of those recommendations. And that, that that's why they adopted this, you know, stay in Ontario for your, your vacation this year, you know, travel within Ontario. And there were actually uh, some incentives, uh, financial incentives for you to do that. Problem was, I don't think anybody foresaw the price of gas was going to skyrocket down. 
people I talked to said, I'd love to stay in Ontario on vacation, but I can't drive anywhere. I can't afford to. Uh, and who knew that was coming? But it's just something else that, you know, on, on top of the pile of things that are already having a negative impact on, impact rather on the industry. Absolutely. And that totally falls within the category of, of perfect storm. And it's an important one that you raised, Bill, because that is, you know, there are certain things as uh, businesses and government we do have control over, and there are certain things that are harder to have control over. And some of the global turmoil and uncertainty um, that is triggering an increase in gas prices, which is leading more folks to stay home, is something that we don't have a lot of control over. Um, you know, other things that we have uh, less control over is, uh, you know, the global recession that might be looming large uh, over the next couple of months and how that might impact travel decisions. So absolutely, there's going to be a host of factors that there is very little uh, we expect our government to be able to do about it. Uh, but there's a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, for instance, you mentioned that tax credit, that staycation uh, Ontario tax credit is a great program the federal uh, provincial government has rolled out. It's one that is not well known. Um, and so that that's an area, for instance, that our report's going to point to and suggest we can do more both in terms of uh, broadening the understanding of how this can be used amongst the public, um, but also make it a more permanent thing uh, while the industry is still in recovery mode. This does not need to be a one and done thing, particularly while we have uh, some of the gaps that the sector is currently experiencing. Well, and I know you and I have talked about this in the past, and it's a shortcoming of a lot of governments. I don't mean to point the finger at the Ford government here, uh, but governments will sometimes come up with you know, very advantageous policies like that, like that tax credit, uh, but they don't know how to get the word out. You can't just issue a press release or you know put an ad in the local paper because a lot of people don't even read newspapers anymore. Uh, there's there's got to be more access to that information. I, I think a lot more people would take advantage of it if, if they realized, first of all, that it existed and B, how accessible it is and how to access it. Absolutely. I was, Bill, literally in a conversation with a very informed and well-read man the other day having uh, having a chat with him. And I was suggesting that, you know, make sure because he was talking about a trip and I was like, make sure you, you claim it as part of the staycation tax credit. And uh, he had no idea about it. And so, you know, that goes to show you uh, even folks that are following the political fray don't necessarily aren't necessarily aware of things like that. And that, you know, Awareness is important both as it comes to, uh, you know, the tax piece and, and some of the solutions there in terms of incentivizing local travel. It's also a critical piece as it relates to kind of disabusing some of the, uh, um, you know, some of the stigmas with careers in the industry. And I think this is a longer running, uh, is going to be a longer running campaign that's necessary here, but talking about Okay, what does careers in tourism look like? Uh, what is the path there like? And uh, encouraging folks to take uh, take those career paths seriously as well, because right now, uh, again, that's an area that the government has kind of placed that emphasis as it relates to skilled trades, uh, which is one area that we've noted a labor shortage and a, and a skills mismatch in. Uh, but that very same thinking at a younger age when folks are considering career decisions and sectors of interest to them um, can very much so be replicated as it relates to other industries that are historically um, perhaps overlooked by the labor market. And, and you're tourism. right. You and I have talked about this for months, and it's it's something that really I, we all hope was going to rectify itself. But that's, that, as you mentioned, a staffing shortage. Uh, a lot of people left the industry, of course, uh, during the pandemic and maybe found other employment. 
Others don't look at it right now as an attractive uh, option, you know, for, for employment or for a career or whatever the case might be. And and I know they're crying for people right now for you know to fill some of these positions. We're not just talking about frontline like waitstaff in a restaurant. I mean, we're talking about all sorts of different positions uh, because it used to be, as as you mentioned in in the report here, uh, two hundred thousand people used to work in this industry, uh, um, and and it directly employed over four hundred thousand Ontarians across a different range of, of of sectors and subsectors within this region. So there are employment opportunities here. And again, you know, you, you'd like to think that that there should be some way to attract people back into this industry. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few things that we can do here. Like the, fir- the first one, Bill, as we're talking about is, you know, working with stakeholders in the sector and develop more tourism career awareness programs and resources. Now, it's not going to have necessarily an immediate impact, but it's something that we need to start doing today for the pipeline, uh, for the labor force, for the future. Um We need to also continue to focus on industry-led workforce programs that can boost recruitment and retention, particularly as it relates to underrepresented pockets of our population that have uh, lower labor labor force participation rates. Uh, You know, there's two-year visa visa targeted entry level skill sets uh, programs that can be done for uh, uh, folks that are looking for a pathway to permanent residency. And and lastly, uh, Bill, because I know this is something that you've talked about and we've chatted about on your show too, um immigration reform right now there is a two million person backlog of folks waiting to get in uh, while we have over a million job postings uh, available beyond just the tourism sector i should be clear about that uh, but you know we can amend the skill types and levels eligible for the both the canadian experience class and the ontario immigrant nominee program to make both of these programs uh, a little bit more friendly and amenable to the sector and there's absolutely no excuse uh, to not be making those moves uh, and to do so with a sense of urgency as well. Daniel, I wanted to ask you something else. I'm glad you had some time to talk to us this morning because it's uh, something that seems to be under a lot of people's radar, but it's uh, what a few municipalities have done. Now, different municipalities will do this in a different way and they all have a different name for it, but essentially it's a hotel tax, uh, which is an extra charge if you want to go and stay at a hotel. You know, I'm in Hamilton right now. And if I wanted to go to Toronto or to Ottawa, whatever the case might be, uh, there's an added charge. And, and it's 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 a tax. That's really what it comes down to. But it's it's got to serve as a, a, a detrimental aspect to people that say, well, you know, I, th- that's one more cost they really don't want to incur. Uh, it doesn't make it attractive to, to want to travel and, and stay in another town for a couple of days. And I understand the municipality's problem. Everybody's strapped for money these days because of all the things that happened during the pandemic. Uh, but this it seems like they're cutting off their nose despite their face. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, what the, the, the point here more broadly is ensuring that you know, from a regulatory perspective, that both the municipal and provincial level, we're doing whatever we can to remove unnecessary regulatory burden. Um, mm-hmm. A significant aspect of tourism-related tax and regulatory issues does come down to the municipal accommodation tax, which is a tax that's levied kind of on, on transient accommodations. But it's also a critical tax revenue tool that municipalities that have limited revenue uh, generating mechanisms uh, choose to leverage. Uh, so it has been used across a, a lot of different jurisdictions. Um and I think, you know, a tax like this, we need to make sure we're looking at it and that it's being, you know, uh, optimized both from a revenue generating capacity to benefit 
the municipality, of course, but also uh, ensure that we're not local uh, hindering local tourism um, and actually supporting uh, local tourism uh, marketing and product development when we levy those taxes. And so things like that do absolutely need to be looked at. Um, but if I might as well, Bill, make kind of a broader structural point that often gets missed in the tourism conversation. And I think also cuts at a lot of the issues you discuss regularly on your show. Um, but is infrastructure issues more broadly? And we've, you know, discussed the infrastructure deficit as it relates to Ontario. Um, but that is something that is also hobbling the recovery of the tourism sector as well. We have both massive gaps when it comes to our physical uh, infrastructure, you know, public transportation between and within Ontario destinations as limiting mobility and reducing opportunities for multi-destination travel and also impacting the recruitment and retention of workers. And another issue which you mentioned just a few minutes ago before we started chatting is uh, the limited availability of uh, affordable housing. That's also having a direct impact on workforce attraction and attention and retention. So, you know, we were happy to see that the province makes some incremental moves towards uh, hopefully expanding and increasing supply uh, yesterday. And lastly, on this bill, because I know I'm grandstanding now and leaning into my time, but this, this <laughs> you last go. The, 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 you, you go, know, Daniel. One, go ahead. <laughs> if I can, if I can just make one last point on, on the infrastructure side, which which is often overlooked, is the digital infrastructure piece. Okay, high yeah. speed broadband is critical to participating in an increasingly digital economy. Um, and uh, the point that you've made on your show, many areas of Ontario remain underserved, and that places specifically rural and remote and some Indigenous tourism economies at a disadvantage. And, you know, just to underscore this point for a second, these are not numbers on the margins we are talking about. So in Ontario alone, it's something like 700,000 businesses and households lack access to broadband. Okay, so when we're talking about economic recovery and inclusive recovery more broadly, and how can we support these sectors that have been disproportionately impacted? Well, sustaining and rolling out with a sense of urgency investments in delivering reliable high-speed broadband with a priority on those northern, rural, and remote regions that have been so far left behind is going to underpin any effort for us to fully and inclusively join the modern economy in an inclusive way. Exactly. Uh, and, and there's a, a long list of other things, too. I know you t talk about some of these in your report, and I know you know governments get a little touchy and, and start to sweat on their palms of their hands when you start talking about deferring taxes uh, because they want the revenue, too. But, I mean, things like, you know, the basic beer tax and federal excise tax, I, I don't think anybody's suggesting they eliminate them. But, you know, hit the pause button for a while and let the industry get back on their feet. A lot of good stuff in here, Daniel. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, Bill. Have a great day. Take care. Daniel Safiani, who is the Vice President of Policy for the Ontario Chamber. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.